Well, in my former career, some of you know, I worked in finance in the city of London. Seems like a very long time ago now. Um, uh, when I was in the, working in the city, I met some very wealthy people, some very powerful people, and some very influential people. And sometimes you would chat with folks, and you just get this thing going on, <laughs> where you could tell they were on the Sunday Times wealthiest 100 people in the UK list. And they knew it. Oh, how they would boast. But then you'd meet other people, same kind of swanky suits, all the rest of it. But you could tell they weren't on the list. But boy, were they trying to get there. Oh, how they wanted to say, I've now made my 200 million. So I'm on the list. Now, you might say, Ollie, that is a million miles away from us here. I mean... Why are, you, why are you talking about that? Well, I want to say, really, is that really a million miles away from us? This boasting, this competition, this desire for strength and success. Really, is that so far away from us? I mean, have you ever heard people comparing, not wealth, but churches? Our church has electric guitars. Our church has fantastic youth ministry. Go to a pastor's conference and you might think it would be different. You would be surprised how many times you overhear conversations. How many members have you got in your church then? How many conversions? We love it, don't we? We love displays of human success, human power, human strength. So easily we're seduced into thinking that real power is seen in displays of human power. Real value is seen in human credentials. So often we tell ourselves, don't we, we need the right people around here, don't we? We need the right people in Grace Church. Or if we're not thinking that, how often do we catch ourselves thinking and feeling insecure like, it's me letting the side down. I'm not successful enough. You know, it's not just us. The church in Corinth had had a big dose of, of this, of what I'll call the success and strength syndrome, being obsessed with human strength and human power. The razzmatazz of the super apostles, these visiting speakers, these false teachers, had, had got to them. The razzmatazz had impressed them. They were, they were giving up on weak old Paul, and they were after a Christianity that they thought looked more powerful. But Paul here, as we've been seeing, he's been pleading with the church not to listen to this foolishness. He's preparing them for his visit. Paul's going to come to Corinth and he's going to have to sort them out. If they won't put aside these false teachers with their power and pretense, well, he'll have to sort them out. He doesn't want to do that. So he's been pleading with them. And today in our passage, we get to Paul's last argument. Paul's last argument against going after human power, human success, and human glory. And Paul's argument goes like this. If you can't beat them, join them. Now is a moment for Paul to fight fire with fire. See, Paul reckons that unless he joins in with their foolish boasting, as one commentator has said, unless he joins in that foolish boasting, he's in danger of losing this church to even greater fools. So here's Paul's last argument. To demolish our tendency to love human power, human success, human strength, 
he's going to take to the same platform as the super apostles. This is thing to see number one. Number one, notice Paul getting on the platform. The platform and the parody. There's a, the platform and the parody. We'll see that in these first few verses. Paul's going to do some boasting here. He's going to roll out the CV. Just like the super apostles have been boasting in themselves. Well, Paul's going to do the same. Paul is trying to find a platform. They won't listen to me unless I look impressive. Unless I say impressive stuff. So he's, he's going to do it. Because they won't listen unless I play at that game. So Paul's trying to find a platform. He'd already told this church, bear with me in foolishness. And now look, he gets to it, verse 16. I repeat, let no one think me foolish. But even if you do, accept me now as a fool, so that I too may boast a little. What I'm saying with this boastful confidence, I say not as the Lord would, but as a fool. It's clear, isn't it? He's trying to find a platform to speak from. He says, you, you, you guys think I'm foolish. And I've said the other teachers are fools. Well, okay, then accept me as a fool. All right, then I'll play that game. Let me stand before you just as they do. But it's not going to be quite the same. It's not going to be quite the same. Because what Paul is going to do here is a parody. He's going to imitate the super apostles. Only to show up their weakness. It's like Shrek, you know, the parody of the fairy tale stories. Or, I can't believe I'm using this as an illustration, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. That's a parody of King Arthur stuff, right? He's going to pretend to look a bit like a super apostle. Only to show it up at how foolish it is. You see, Paul's speech here is dripping with irony and sarcasm. Except me too, he says, as a fool, that I may boast a little, because, yeah, that's what these other guys have been doing, only boasting just a little bit. Come on, you can feel the sarcasm, can't you? you know, Paul is saying, you know, it's, it's never a small matter to boast, is it? When the creator God, the maker of all, he's the only one eligible to boast, isn't he? He made everything out of nothing. So there's sarcasm here. There's a parody here. But it's not laugh a minute. It's not laugh out loud kind of stuff. Look at verse 18 and 19. What does he say? Since many boast according to the flesh, I too will boast. For you gladly bear with fools, being wise yourself. He gets his platform and he immediately says to them, I'm going to boast. And they're like, oh yeah, come on then. We want to hear it. We want to hear it. But then he tells them they've been listening to fools. It's not funny, is it? It's quite an accusation. You're listening to fools, guys. About 25, um, 30 years ago, you might remember that phase when UPVC windows were the thing to have and everyone was sorting out the windows in their houses. Um, I think that puts us in the 1990s. Was that when that was going on? Um, it was wild. You know, Everyone was getting UPVC double glazing and um, maybe even a UPVC conservatory as well and the junk mail flooded through the, the door with the leaflets and people would knock on the door have you had double glazing yet have you got a conservatory yet do you remember that if someone knocked on your door saying you needed double glazing you, you opened the door and said oh yeah, yeah yeah I mean everyone's doing it yeah it's all, it's all the rage and in those days many people were duped by dodgy salespeople knocking on the door because you just didn't see it you just didn't see it. Everyone was, everyone was doing it. It was the thing. 
here Paul says, look, these super apostles have turned up. They're knocking on the door. And they're saying, we're strong. We've got what you need. And the Corinthians are going, well, yeah, well, that's what everyone does, isn't it? They come saying they're strong, that they've got what we need. But the Corinthians can't see they're being bullied. They're being abused. Did you see that in verse 20? You're bearing with these guys. You bear it. And here's what's really going on. If someone makes slaves of you, or devours you, or takes advantage of you, or puts on airs, or strikes you in, my, in the face. To my shame, I must say, we were too weak for that, says Paul. See, these super apostles look like they're the good guys. They look like they're selling you what you need. But it turns out they're swindlers, they're robbers, they're having us on. They eat people up like monsters, that's the image, isn't it? Devouring you. They make slaves of you, and they strike the Corinthians in the face. That's a public act of shaming. That's real bullying, isn't it? And notice what Paul says, to my shame, to my shame, we couldn't do this. It's not to his shame, is it? To my shame, we were too weak to get into the game of comparison. To my shame, we were too weak to be bullies. You see, here, Paul finds the platform, doesn't he? He, he, He's about to start boasting like the super apostles, but really, it's a parody. Really, he's trying to show what's really going on and take the mick and point out the problems. Because what's really going on in this world where we look at human strength all the time, when we glory in human strength, where we look at human credentials, in that kind of world, when our focus is on human strength and human beings, in that world are humans full of sin, humans capable of abuse. You see, if we're obsessed with human strength, we'll never notice the strong bullies. So Paul says, oh, by all means, listen to those who boast in human strength, but see where it leads. You can be abused. And by the way, Corinth, this is already happening to you. It's ironic, isn't it? You know, the the church were dismissing Paul for being weak. But actually his weakness is the thing that shows he's not a bully. That he's not an abuser. It's the one thing that qualifies him as a non-abuser. I was too weak for that. I was too weak to play those games. He had no tools for manipulation, no tools of power. He only had weakness. You see, so often in our world, hiding in parades of human strength is human sin. But displayed in human weakness is rather the opposite. The power of God. You can see the need, can't you, here for Paul to take to this platform, to take on this parody. Because people are being abused. You see, when we boast in human power and human credentials, what really is driving that? When I boast, what do I do? What's behind it? Well, so often it's my reputation, isn't it? It's my glory. It's my desire, perhaps, to prove someone wrong when I'm boasting. And we have to ask, if we'll boast in those things, what else would we do with those kind of desires when we're boasting? Would we even bully people for our reputation our glory it's scarily possible isn't it and i think if we're honest we've seen it haven't we when was the last time someone boasted to you what was it for when was the last time you boasted why did you do it see here is paul's parody and it pulverizes it pulverizes our ideas of human strength And Paul's just getting started. He tells us 
that he's taking a platform and he begins his parody. And now we see it. Here comes Paul's CV. And in his CV, we see the pride and the pathetic. Point number two, the pride and the pathetic. Or you could say the pride in the pathetic, right? Look with me at verse 21. But whatever anyone else dares to boast of, says Paul, I'm speaking as a fool, I also dare to boast of that. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they offspring of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I'm a better one. Paul baits us here, doesn't he? Oh, he's rolling out a CV now. These look like badges of honour. Ethnic and religious and so on. They're exactly what we would expect. But Paul can't keep it up. He's like, this is ludicrous. I'm talking as a madman. It's mad to say I'm a better Christian, Paul says. Because if I am a better Christian, well, it's with greater labours. Oh, greater hardship, greater beatings. Oh, all I can boast in, frankly, is how pathetic and weak I've been in it all. Everything I've done has been done with monumentous effort and at great physical cost. This isn't boasting in glory and honour and power. All I can boast in is weakness, because that's what it's been. Now, some people say Paul in this list that we see is boasting in things that show his perseverance. If you look at chapter 12, verse 10, if you scan ahead, you'll see his summary is of everything he's gone through is when I'm weak, then I'm strong. This, is about, this list isn't about perseverance and strength. This list is, is about weakness. And you see that in the things he rolls out now, the things he boasts in, the pride in the pathetic, right? Look at verse 24 of chapter 11. He says, five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes, less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Lashes apparently were what the Jews gave to you as a punishment. Rods were what the Romans gave to you as a punishment. And stones were what the mob threw threw at you. Paul has literally been hated and disdained by everyone. These marks, these beatings he's had, apparently these were things that you would want to hide. If you had scars on your chest, those were honourable markings. The markings of going out into battle, you know, marks on your front, on your chest. Marks of courage and manliness. but, But marks on your back from... Beatings, well, they would show how you'd been abased and dominated by another. They'd show that you were held in utter contempt. Only dishonourable people had bodies that were whippable. Honourable people, well, no, that could never happen. You see how weak Paul has been. How much it has cost him. In all Paul's ministry, he has been weak. And that's what he'll boast in. I can't boast in how strong it's been. I can only boast in how weak it's been. What does he say? How's he go on? Look, three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. Can you imagine that? On frequent journey, in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers. Piles up on you, doesn't it, that list? Doesn't it overwhelm you? The overwhelming vulnerability Paul has been in. Paul is not boasting in how powerful he has been. He is boasting in how powerless he has been. And he adds to that his ministry has left him sleepless, starving, and freezing. And to cap it all off, look at verse 28. Apart from other things, you think to yourself, well, what could those be? He says, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Who is weak and I'm not weak? Who is made to fall and I'm not indignant? You see, not only has his situation made him totally powerless, but his care for the church has made him weakened and pathetic. When they're weakened... 
He's weakened emotionally, psychologically. When someone in a a church falls away, it weighs on him. He isn't just powerless on the road at danger from robbers. He's rendered powerless by his turmoil for the churches. This isn't an apostle who feels powerful. This is an apostle who feels pathetic, isn't it? His boasting, his badges, his CV shows how powerless he's been. It shows what ministry has cost him. Now, doesn't that turn over the way the super apostles have been? Those who glory in human strength. They say they're God's guys because they're so powerful. Because they preach so well, because they perform so well. But this CV gets you thinking, doesn't it? Actually, how powerful were those super apostles? I mean, what did it cost them to do the powerful performances? To come to Corinth, to go from town to town? They paraded in in power and taken from Corinth. What did it cost them? How powerful was it really? But look at Paul. Look at Paul so weak. He has given himself. And look at what it cost him to go to Corinth, to go out into the world. You see, when we look at this list, when we look at boasting in weakness, weakness doesn't seem quite so pathetic actually anymore, does it? And human power doesn't seem quite so impressive. Paul's pride here is in his pathetic weakness. And he makes that abundantly clear in in an example in verses 30 to 33. Look. Look what he says. If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. The God and Father of the Lord Jesus, he who's blessed forever, knows I'm not lying. I'm not messing with you guys. I really do boast in weakness. And here's the example. At Damascus, the governor under King Aratus was guarding the city of Damascus in order to seize me. But I was let down in a basket through a window in the wall and escaped his hands. Do you ever see that, um, those images, uh, kind of World War I type of images of the courageous strong person who climbs out of the trenches? Do you, do you have that sort of picture going on? The strong person climbing out, you know, those kind of soldier type images. They had that kind of image in ancient society too. The strong person, the strong glorious soldier, was the one who climbed the city walls. That was the strong person. Do you see what Paul says here? I really will boast in weakness. In Damascus, let me tell you about this. In Damascus, I had to be lowered out of the city walls like a baby in a basket. I'm not the guy who climbs walls. I'm the guy who gets rejected by the walls. They wanted to keep me out of that city. I'm the guy who gets lowered down the walls. That's my boast, says Paul. Do you remember why he came to Damascus? He came to Damascus to persecute Christians. He left as one of the persecuted because he'd met with the risen, powerful Lord Jesus Now, to us who love displays of human power, what are we going to do with this? Well, if we're tempted to continue to think human power looks good, if we're tempted to despise Paul, even to mock him, if we're tempted to think that Christianity doesn't look very good, well, we can't very well do that anymore, can we? Because Paul isn't hiding and wallowing in shame about his weakness. He's boasting in it. He's boasting in the things that we might want to mock. We can't do it anymore. And neither can we say the super apostles look great by comparison. Because as we look at what Paul's gone through, we can, it doesn't quite look so wonderful. Strength displayed in human strength suddenly doesn't look so great. It was in Paul's pathetic weakness that the true power of God could be seen. Paul boasts in weakness. 
Because when we're weak, there can be no confusing where the real power is in God, in Christ Jesus, the King of Kings. You see, true Christian ministry is not supposed to be strong. It's not supposed to have human power. It's not supposed to have great human credentials. It's supposed to look weak. We're not supposed to be thrilled by and boast in human strength. We're supposed to delight in weakness. We find that hard, don't we? We find that hard, but Paul relishes in it. He would boast in it because there we would see his God. So look, we've seen this morning the platform and the parody, the pride in the pathetic. But lastly now, look, Paul directs us to the power and the pain. The power and the pain. This is chapter 12, verses 1 to 10. Paul wants to tell us about the power he's experienced and the pain that he's known. You see, amid all of Paul's boasting, it turns out Paul actually had something that would end the argument. It turns out Paul had something so powerful that everyone would, this argument about which apostle was right, it would just finish. Look at uh, 12 verse 1. Paul says, I must go on boasting, though there's nothing to be gained by it. I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. In the Old Testament, the great prophets had visions and revelations of God. You know, think Elijah, Abraham, Isaiah. They had powerful experiences of God. Revelations, visions, and so forth. If Paul had something like that, as he seems to be boasting, let me tell you about my visions and revelations, hands down, you would just take him for real. (laughs) You would accept him. Paul's had this powerful experience, but look how he he talks about it. Look at verse 2. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. Now listen, Paul is clearly talking about himself here, but he talks himself talks about himself as a man. I think basically he's embarrassed about this powerful experience he's had, but he knows he needs to talk about it. I think you'd be experienced, uh, embarrassed about it. I think I would be too. I mean, imagine having an experience where you were caught up to the third heaven. I think Paul is saying basically he'd been taken into the very presence of God. Do you remember the old um, the temple in the Old Testament? Outer court, holy place, third place, holy of holies. I think Paul is basically saying, I've been in the real presence of God. Wow, that'd be powerful. So uh, so Paul's embarrassed. It's like he wants to say, I've got this friend who's had these visions. Do you know that thing where you say, um, I've got this friend who's had an embarrassing thing happen to them. And everyone knows you're talking about you, yourself. (laughs) But you don't want to, uh, Paul's doing that, I think. Because uh, he wants to keep himself at a distance from this. But why does he bring it up? Why now does Paul bring up this powerful experience of God that he's had? Why has he kept it a secret for 14 years? Well, he's kept this powerful experience a secret. And only mentions it now because he wants to talk about the pain that it brought him. First look, because even though he'd had this powerful experience, he saw things he couldn't describe. He heard things he couldn't repeat. That's in verses 5 to 6. An experience of God like this would leave you like that, wouldn't it? It would leave you utterly speechless if you'd been taken into the presence of God. How painful for him to have had an experience like that. To know that it's something he kind of could boast in, it would be true, but he won't. And he couldn't anyway. 
I think, by the way, this is another poke at power and super apostles and people boasting, oh, oh Christianity is strong and amazing. Because Paul's basically saying here, if you had something that was really worth boasting in, you actually wouldn't be able to talk about it anyway. If you had a true experience of God's power, Paul's testimony was that that came with pain. You, 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 couldn't, you couldn't talk about it. And even more pain. Look, this is what he wants to show us. Look, verse 7. So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he, the Lord, said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Paul had something on his CV that was amazingly powerful. And it could have left him puffed up in pride. But God, God gave him something to keep him in check, to stop him from saying, look how special I am. He was given a thorn in the flesh. Now that could be something physical he experienced. It could be something psychological. Um, it could be his experience of opposition. It could be all of those things. We don't really know. The point is, Paul had something here powerful he could have boasted in. But Paul wouldn't be mouthing off about himself. He wouldn't be talking about his powerful experience. He knew that God would be seen when he was weak. And so he wants to talk about this thorn in the flesh. He asked God to remove it. God wouldn't. God would be sufficient for Paul with the thorn. Because God's power is perfected. It's fulfilled in weakness. You see, having all the power in all the world, human strength, human credentials, that won't display the power of God. For that, Paul says, you need weakness. And you need pain. If we're in a place where we're boasting about ourselves, we won't be boasting in God. But when we're weak, when we're uncomfortable, when we're in pain, we need what no man can provide for us, but only what God can provide for us. And then we can boast in him. Do you see? It is precisely when we are at our very weakest that we are in the strongest position to speak of the power of God. I think that's what Paul's been telling us again and again in this passage. I'll say that again. It is precisely when I am at my very weakest that I am in the strongest position to speak of the power of God. That is why Paul will boast in his weakness. And this is what he says in the last verses, isn't it? Verse 9 and 10. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardship, persecutions, calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And that's his last argument with the super apostles. This is drop the mic. This is drop the pretenses to human power. Friends, give them up. God does not want us consumed with being powerful, humanly speaking. 
God does not want us consumed with self-important people. God does not want us consumed with our own self-importance. God wants us to be consumed with him and displaying him. And we do that when we are weak. We will be so consumed when we're weak. We will be most prayerful, won't we, when we're weak. We will be most dependent on him when we are weak. We will be most vulnerable when we are weak. We will do our best boasting when we are weak. We will speak best of Christ when we have nothing of our own to defend, but all of him to speak. Friends, why on earth do we think we need to be worldly strong? Why do we think we need strong and powerful people, strong and powerful performances? Oh, how often we love to say, we're a really happening church. Everyone here is experiencing success. Everything's very polished. It's very respectable. The place to be seen, don't you know? It's not awkward. It's not, that, it's not embarrassing. Nothing, nothing uncomfortable will happen. Oh, you should, come, you should come to church. You should find out about Jesus. It's, it's, it's not embarrassing, really. You see, we need to throw those arguments away. What about we try these? The people can sometimes be awkward. Things don't always run to time. Reading the Bible can be hard. The the buildings are cold sometimes. The music sometimes goes wrong and the speakers won't even go there. It looks weak. But you'll see the power of God there. Because the saviour at the centre of it all was the one displayed in power in weakness. In the darkness and pathetic powerlessness of the cross is the power of God, the empty tomb, and the kingdom of God come with the Holy Spirit in all his glory. We love displays of human success, human power, human strength. Friends, it is time for us in many and varied ways to give that a rest and trust the real power of God displayed in weakness. Amen. Shall we pray? Our gracious Father in heaven, we confess so often we've wanted to be strong in human terms. We've thought that our world will only ever be impressed if we're powerful. Father, forgive us for our silly ideas. Help us to remember that your power comes to fruition in our weakness. So help us to relish, actually, somehow, our weakness. Help us even to want to boast in it. Because that's the Christian's true glory to say, I am weak, but he is strong. I am a great sinner, but he is a great saviour. And we ask this for Jesus' sake and in his name. Amen.